we have known each other since 2014 and and, it, and I remember it so well because I just know exactly where I was because of the story you know like I was in a hotel sharing a hotel with my mom we were absolutely broke we had no money we had to figure it out every day and I, at the same time I was telling her about this million dollar fund I was going to build you know and I know at the time she thought <laughs> She must have thought I was crazy, but she also was like, all right, you know, we'll go along for this. Um, but I remember talking to you so early, and this would have been before you were even made um, director of Y Combinator. You were at Y Combinator, but I don't think you've been made director of it. So there's so much that has happened to both of us in this time, and I want to talk about it. So I definitely want to talk about ChatGPT because um, it is part of your legacy. But I also want to talk a little bit just about that, you know, our, our knowing each other. So, um, by the way, I'm I'm yes. I'm so proud of you. Uh, how far you've come in those nine years? It's been very, it's been very special to watch. Thank you, thank you. And, and I just keep thinking back to like, I think you were the only person, you and Jack, because Jack is who introduced us. Jack, my brother. Yes, cool. he's I'm the one who he's the one who made it possible because I I just cold reached out to him and I did the thing you're not supposed to do and I asked to speak to the uh, more well known sibling uh, or family member and he was like no <laughs> and then he saw what I was working on and he said actually Sam would want to see this so he got us connected uh, but what I felt at the time and I still feel today with all this experience behind me is that. As I said just now, it probably it most likely came across as crazy, quote unquote, you know, crazy what I was thinking that I was as someone who was poor, homeless, was going to start this million, multi-million dollar fund and invest in underrepresented founders when we weren't talking about that. But I remember from the first text that we exchanged and the first conversation we had on the phone, um, you just it just seemed like it wasn't crazy to you. It just seemed like it was an inevitable, inevitable to you. And, and so much so, in fact, I think you tried to get it to be the first fund to go through Y Combinator, uh, but it was sort of voted down. Yeah, you remember that. So voted it would, like legally, we just it turned out it's very hard for like a fund to invest in another fund. Um, yeah. But yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I really wanted to do that. So what what is it about me and what I was saying? But also, what is it about the things that catch your eye? that you know, this is just the future. This is inevitable. Um, I'm very much a like founder driven investor and not well, exclusively that, you know, I, I, it's like, I've got to believe in the approach and the market and the product and the technology, everything else too. But uh, I think one thing that is unusual about me is the degree to which I'm a founder driven investor, even at like later stages, I just carried that all the way through. Mm. Um, and I was, I just remember being very impressed with you uh, your tenacity, the way you wanted to do this, the way you were thinking about it. So that was, you know, trying to like think back across those nine years. That's what I remember. Yeah. And it was just, I mean, it's very forward thinking and I'm not trying to fish for compliments. I'm, I'm actually thinking it just is kind of coming to me right now is that how, uh, how much it resembles the different things you work on. So let's, fa we'll fast forward a little bit to chat GPT, but um you had been working on this for how many years for ChatGPT? OpenAI? Yes. Uh, we put it together in 2015. Uh, and the company really started in January of 2016. Really got going. And mm -hmm. then I 
was working on both OpenAI and YC for a while. And then by the spring of 2019, I was full-time on OpenAI. Yes, yes. And I, I remember that based on the different emails that you have, <laughs> you know, like now, because you, you went into the lab with OpenAI. Yeah. You went like figuratively and literally went into the lab. Um, did you know in 2016, could you imagine what this is? And and usually when I ask that question of somebody, they don't, but I kind of feel like you might have. Yeah. I mean, we tried to talk, we didn't know like exactly the shape of course, but we were like, we're going to make a computer that can like think and do really useful stuff. And that was very clear. Yeah. And have you always been this way where you see, you see, you see around corners, you see in miles into the future? Like um, no, I think the only thing I do there is try to like extrapolate exponential curves better than other people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's explain, like, explain that a little bit. Those words separated, I understand, but what does that mean to you? Well, in the startup context, it means un, like you can look at a very small startup that's going to double every six months and really wrap your head around what that can be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, also what it takes to be a startup that can double every six months. And then in open AI context, uh, the field had discovered that there was an algorithm that could learn and it got better with scale. Mm. And most people are like, okay, well, maybe it can get a little smarter. But I think the, the, the interesting thing is to say, well, what if we gave it a billion times more compute? Mm. What would that be like? Mm-hmm. And I think most people... I think that's just like, that's really hard for human intuition for some reason. And so it takes like very focused effort to be able to think that way. Mm -hmm. And so do you believe that what we're looking at now at chat GPT-4 and middle of 2023 is just a, 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 you know, small percentage of what we're about to see break wide open? Do you, what do you imagine your particular open AI's particular technology will be able to do a year from now, 10 years from now? Very, two very different questions. Um, I mean, I hope I like 10 years from now, it's like contributing, it's helping, helping to increase the amount of human knowledge in the world. Like it's helping us discover new science, cure mm-hmm. disease. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the of course, uh, there are people, and I talk to those people every day who are concerned in a couple of ways. One concern is with bias, and I, you know, I yell at you all the time about bias. I don't yell at you. I, I hope I don't yell, but I do mention it a lot um, about bias. And the other side is just like forgetting bias. It's just like, are the robots going to take over, yeah. and um, not just like take over jobs because that's really important. But like, are they going to take over and tell us what to do and and lock us into places? And I feel like, like you can't know that, right? Uh, unless you really are from the future, which you could. Like, there's like a twenty percent chance, I think, that the you're from robots take over. Oh, that I'm person. That you're from the future. Yeah, for sure. So, what do you think about? Let's talk about the the robots taking over. Like you've gone around the world recently, and this question has come up over and over yeah. and over again. What do you think about that? And and does that keep you up at night? I think it's very important that we not let the robots take over, obviously. Um, I think it's totally doable. There's a technological part of the solution. There's a societal part of the solution. There's a policy part of the solution. Um, But we want to build a future that humans are in charge of. Like Mm -hmm. we want us to be useful for humans. And 
you know, like people say, well, what about like all the way? What if someday, you know, hundreds of years from now, people like make consciousness in a computer and the humans merge and, you know, like, fine. At that point, maybe we talk about it. Maybe people think about it differently. But I don't think that's what you're asking about, which is just like, as we make these powerful agents, can we make sure they do what humans want? And I think the answer is yes, and we have to. Um, and I'm optimistic that we can solve the challenge on all three of those axes. Mm -hmm. Are you someone who personally wants to live longer than 100 years? I'd like to, I'd love to live like healthy all the way to 100. That would sound. But do you, do you personally th think there's an end to, to life? Like, or do you feel um, like you're going to be around for, if they could take your body and take it into the future, you'd go there. I mean, if I like uploaded my brain into a computer, I don't even know how much I'd like think of that as me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or I don't know how much that thing would think of itself as me. Like, I don't, I think it's like an intellectually interesting thing, but it's not like, it's not what like occupies most of my mental cycles thinking about that. The, the reason I asked that is because, and I won't, I won't, you know, you said nothing is off limits, which is great, but I won't go too far if you don't want me to. But I think people like Peter Thiel make decisions today based on the the idea that, that they want to, to live forever and that it doesn't kind of matter what's going on with the present day or who gets hurt by those decisions. And so if, because you are friend, you know, at some point we're friends with him, yeah. still are, but I don't know if we don't know as the outsiders, if there's like 12 guys who get together in some dungeon and, and, and like, this is how we're going to rule the world. You know, I don't know if that's the case. So if you're running open AI and you want to live to be a thousand, you will make different decisions than you'll make. If you're like, no, it'd be great. Yeah. To be First of all, I, I actually, I think making decisions with a very long time horizon is a really good thing. Okay. Like I try to make all my decisions on a very long time horizon. And I think it is unfortunate that most people don't and honestly if giving people longer health span make people think and make decisions on a longer time horizon i personally think that would be really good now i think if it's for other people because you're saying people i'm saying people some people are selfish and they want to live but they don't care if other people live long. i have not you know, when I've seen people who are working on radical life extension, um, I have never heard anything from them, but like thoughtfulness about how we make sure that everybody gets access to the technology should it be invented. I, th I think like people do want to see other, everyone, people who are into this want to see everybody live for a super long time. However, my, my point here is like somewhat different, which is the things that I think really improve the human condition, society, th these, these are long-term projects, you know, like we'll see if OpenAI makes it into that category. But mm -hmm. I took four and a half years before we shipped our very first product of just research for a company. That's a very long time horizon. And I think that's good. You know, another company that I think is going to be super important that I spend time on called Helion doing fusion. It'll be 10 years, um, maybe a little bit more. And if we can make, you know, if we can like solve the climate crisis and increase quality of life, particularly for the poorest half of the world with cheap, clean energy, that's an amazing thing. But that takes a very long time horizon. So I think a lot of people think about like, you know, what can I work on that will like bear fruit this week or this month or even this year? And I understand why a lot of people have to. But if we can give people the gift of a longer time horizon, which is not, I don't even mostly mean life extension, although maybe that's part of it. I mostly just mean like the economic and social freedom to go do this. I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, on that note, 
a, a lot of people I know who feel that way uh, are are black because we think a lot and, and other groups, but we think a lot about our ancestors. We we call upon them, we think about them, and we all know that we will one day be the ancestors. So a lot of our work is with that long time horizon, which is one of the reasons I am so adamant and uh, tenacious about knowing what's going on in OpenAI when it comes to that. Let me ask you this, and this is kind of more of a technical question because it'll answer this cultural question. The more we use ChatGPT, the better it gets, right? Just a simple that that's the dream. We don't really have that working yet, but that's what we'd like to do. Okay, so eventually, but so when we when we're typing in prompts, that's not helping the algorithm. I find it helps it in real time. Well, ah, so it gets to read, remember, not just your most recent message, but it's looking back at your five messages right then. However, yeah. the it's just doing that in the context. The model's not training to get better based off okay. of that. Okay, so that's something I don't know is like I just saw someone say that more women should use chat GPT so that we can train it against bias. Is that is that true or are we misunderstanding how it works? So a couple of ties back to things you said earlier in the conversation. Um, first of all, on the bias point, uh, I think a few years ago, it was definitely true that these systems exhibited bias and there's you can get them to do it now. But if you look at some of the recent research over the last few months, people will look at GPT-4 and give it implicit bias tests and say, wow, this is actually less biased than humans, um, even less biased than like pretty thoughtful humans. Um, and one of the things I'm excited about with this technology, like, you know, all of us have psychological flaws, our history, our trauma, whatever, like there's bias inherent in all of us in different ways. But these systems don't have to be. These systems can be impartial and unbiased in a way that people aren't going to be. Now, no two people, I think, will ever agree that a single system is unbiased. Mm -hmm. You know, we've all got our opinions. But the I think what we're seeing with the capability of these systems to accurately reflect specified values um, is impressive. And it's come further than I was than I was thinking it would by now. So I think it'll be possible to make it'll be, I think it is now, I would say likely that these systems can be used um, as a debiasing force in the world societally, whether we choose to use them that way or we want them to amplify biases, that's that's going to be a different question. But I, I think it is possible. Um, second of all, you mentioned like, you know, are there 12 people in some back room controlling the world and deciding what the system says or not? Um at this point, I'm pretty sure there's not. I think I would have heard about it or seen it at some point by now. Um, but everybody everybody kind of wants there to be is one of my takeaways. Like everybody wants to believe the conspiracy. You want to believe that there's like adults in the room, that someone else has got a plan, that someone's going to fix it. And there's mm -hmm. no adults in the room. There's no secret people who have got this. Like it's up to all of us. And go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I relate to that sentiment because I remember thinking, and again, it's a lot of people are going to watch this who do not follow me. So I don't want this to be your opinion. This is my opinion. I remember when Trump was president, I remember thinking, I wish, I thought that people were going to come out of the wall at the library and they were going to say, oh, just kidding, <laughs> you know, or we have him under control or whatever, but oh my God, no one's driving this country. No one's driving. 
this world. And so that I did spend a, a couple of years thinking, oh, there isn't any, you know, shadow people back there because this is a time for them to show up if it were, you know, for better, or for worse. Anyway, I find it incredibly inspiring that there's not, um, mm-hmm. no one knows what happens next. No one's got, no one's doing the secret planning for the whole world. That's great. Yeah. You've spoken uh, openly, and, and I think anybody who doesn't really know you, and I feel like I know you a little better than some people, just because I've spent so much time talking to you. I think people might think it's just disingenuous when you say that you do not mind not having ownership of OpenAI. And your your re- response has been, you have plenty of money, you have other investments that you made that will yield more money in the future. Yeah. And this is just kind of like the best seat in the house right yeah. now. For, for this innovation. Can you speak a little bit more about that for people who are like, how can he not care? How can he not? Um, yeah, it's it's definitely strange. Like sometimes I want to take like one share of equity just so I don't ever have to answer this question again. <laughs> um, yeah. Definitely been a surprise to me how much people care about it, but I don't have a ton to add. It's like, I've got a ton of other investments a ton of investments that are going to do super well i already kind of have all the stuff that i want and like can't figure out like way more money than i need like if i were if i were like taking opening equity but sort of signing the giving pledge and saying i'll give it away later no one would bat an eye and i'm basically just like pre-committing to giving it away because it goes to the opening eye nonprofit. yeah I think it's just human nature you know you talk a lot about human nature i think human nature is what's in it for him if it's not this, even if it is for you to just simply have it to give away, yep. you know, the reverse is interesting. Like for me, for backstage, I would do anything that was right for backstage, including not take a penny from it. Yep. I would do anything or including owning all of it, whatever the, the the most, the best scenario is I would do. So I completely understand why you don't. I don't have the question. I think it's, uh, I think it's interesting. I wanted to just give you, I wanted people to see your yeah, I don't really have anything to add. Like I get a ton of non-monetary selfish value out of it. I have a ton of money already and plenty more coming. And I, like, I think this will be the most important work I ever touch. Like I get, like I, you know, I get the fulfillment of doing something that I think will really matter to the world. Yeah. How do you use chat GPT and open AI in general? How do you use it? Um, the fun thing is like how broad the use cases are. Uh, once, like every few weeks, I'll use it for something that I just didn't think was going to work for, and it works super well. The standard stuff, I use it. Uh, well, I think our new web browsing feature I've been using a lot, lot recently, mm. um, and I find it a great way to get a question answered that search doesn't quite work for. Um, I use it a lot for summarization. I was on this world tour. I lived on it for translation. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I use it to help me write when I get stuck. Yeah. Yeah. And and when it says uh, right now, so I use chat GPT four and I just yesterday got the uh, wait list on the API. So I have a couple of chat bots that I use to help people write their own headlines or do certain things. Um, but it says, you know, as of September, 2021, which I'm going to get on a t-shirt, I have to, cause I see it so often. What, you're talking about the web browsing. So how do you use that, the web browsing? And then when does that change? When does that September 2021 change? Web browsing goes off and searches real time, which is part of why it's useful. So it knows whatever's on the web as of today. Um, you know, I don't I don't know the exact date when we'll do the knowledge update, but hopefully not too long. It's it's definitely embarrassing at this point. 
How does that work? I mean, what goes into, I'm, I'm assuming you're working on it right now. So what goes into changing that date? Because it's now part of our lexicon. We It's, it's part of what we know uh, if we've been using it. We have to collect a new data set and then train the new model. Mm-hmm. Okay. But we just have a lot of other competing priorities all the time. That's the, t- the tough part. What's your number one priority, do you think, just for you and, and the group? Um, making the best, the smartest model we can. Mm-hmm. I think everything else flows from that. And then I've wondered this for nine years. I, I kind of know the answer, but I want to hear it from you. What do you do for fun? I hike. I hang out with my friends. I do enjoy working a lot. Um, I, but yeah, I mean, I think like the very, the same things that other people like really like, like, I love to like spend time with people I love. I love to be in nature. Um, you know, they're like, they're, they're like, I definitely have like some adrenaline junkie stuff, like love to race cars, but don't do that that much. Oh, really? I think that's surprising. I wouldn't have guessed that. So you like, you like racing cars. Do you like jumping out of planes and things like that? No, not really. No, nothing that would kind of be super dangerous but something that's kind of fun um but again like hanging out with friends and like being in nature mm-hmm. i'm going to ask you a, a very a topical question that's going to be outdated very soon but i must since you're here what do you think of if you have an opinion that you wish to share of twitter and threads and the cage match oh <laughs> um would you be at the front row of the cage match I I I'd watch the highlight reel on TV. <laughs> okay. No, I'm like a plane to watch these guys beat each other up, but yeah. I, I would watch the highlights. That's for sure. Good. Okay. Okay. And I've, you know both Zuckerberg and Elon. You in, you in fact in, interviewed both of them during a, a video series from a few years ago in the same spot, I think, or very close to each other. Um, do, have you tried Threads yet? I have. Yeah. What do you think of it? Uh, it had like some fun first day of summer camp, early Twitter energy. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely early Twitter. And it's growing so fast. I mean, right now you can put a mark that's maybe between 50 and 60 million, I guess, users. And by the time somebody watches, it's probably a hundred or 200. What, um, what do I think of? I, I like it. I like it a lot. I actually left Twitter. Uh, I put up a pinned tweet a few weeks ago and I said, I'm done. I can't do it because it was already tough to 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 navigate Twitter in general. That was always a, a question. But when Elon took over, um, it immediately got worse for me as a, you know, and people that I care about uh, because there were so many guardrails that were taken away and so lack lack of care. And so I put up this, you know, away message a while ago, but Twitter, I've been on for 15 years. It's where I met so many people. It's where I met my wife. It's where I met so many people, you know, who work at Backstage and who worked, who put together Backstage and support, but I had to do it for self-care. And so, but I've missed telling people how to spell the word your and your and what the difference is. (laughs) And so when this came along, I was like, I love being able to give my my hot takes, my thoughts in the moment. And I love being able to read other people's, you know, that's the fun an active threads user. Say that again. You'll become an active threads user. I already am. And I think I will be yeah. sustained. I, I really do. I really, because I love Instagram. I don't go on Facebook at all. My mother does, but I don't go on Facebook. 
I love Instagram, but it's not that you can't watch the game or watch, you know, a TV gotcha. show and, and interact. So I think I will for sure. Sure. Ooh. Yeah. You you want to give a prediction of who wins out in that in that battle? In that cage match? Yeah. I have well, no the, idea. Do you have okay, a... what about the cage match between Threads and Twitter? Even less of an idea. Truly. Well, I guess you're kind of in a tough spot because you're friendly with both, right? Well, I just haven't. No, I, if I thought I had an idea, I'd give you a prediction. Like, I think people seem excited about threads. I've only used it like once. I want to spend more time with it this weekend. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like the Twitter brand and network is like tough to overcome. On the other hand, Facebook has some unfair advantages there. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Do you, um, is there anything that you feel like you haven't done as we close out? Of course. That you want to do. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot that you haven't done, but anything that you haven't done, but you want to do, you want to accomplish. Well, we still got to go build safe AGI. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take more than you, right? It can't just be you and your company. Who, yeah, I, who is in charge of that? Who Who should be concerned about that? Society as a whole and what the governance structure looks like, exactly what we're going to do there. That's, I think that's like a little bit less clear, but society as a whole. Yeah. Okay. 